If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to We Say Things, episode 197, sponsored by Manscaped. If you haven't heard already, it's Smooth Sack Summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're scaped from pubes to bum. That's right, this is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code WESAYTHINGS20. Remember, the 20 is very important. The other one won't work anymore, friends. But again, right, they, they they improved the they improved the prompt a little bit this time. What prompt? Well, the last time. No, I I wrote that in myself. Wait, what do you mean? Okay, go ahead. Say what you're gonna. No, say. I was just saying the, this. I thought I remember the last ad read we had from them wasn't. Oh right, right, right. Like they're lacking a bit of creativity. I thought they improved it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many right. ways you can talk about testicles, right? And I know you say from experience. that, but you've done it for like 20 years, so <laughs> and you still don't run out. Anyway, thank you to Manscaped. Remember, you can check out their products, which they have a wide variety of, and the more they sponsor, the more stuff you buy from them, uh, the more often they will sponsor this show. So we appreciate their support. So again, uh, Manscaped.com and use We Say Things 20 for 20% off and free shipping. Does my camera look like a little foggy? You you look great, Cinderin. I feel like it looks a bit foggy somehow. I think that's just your maybe face. It's a sl- maybe it's slightly dirty. Oh well. You're doing great. Also, yeah, my thank face you. Is definitely dirty. Thank you to our in Bruges tier, Mister. I love the NBA segment and would like more of it. I'm sure many people think that I probably wrote that in myself. But I didn't. Yeah. Thank you for the inbruised here, Sub Suns fan. Monkey Man says we say things fan meetup in Seattle at TA question mark. That sounds kind of cool. Assuming good idea. Assuming we're both invited, me being the big question mark, you never know. Also, thank you. That is a good idea though. Uh kind of depends on the schedule, but we'll get to that later in the episode. It sounds like if we are invited, we'll have a lot of free time. <laughs> but we'll see. Pepperballs, Charlie Cheen, T-Coil, Q-Ludes is sure this will be the best guest ever. What? Stupid co-pilot, D2 Bowie, Lab Dota, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. Any thoughts on adding Ability Arena gifts? Chess subscriptions, Battle Pass as an award for In Bruges tier, an Ability Arena ad. Uh, well, considering Cinderin has nothing to do with Ability Arena, really wouldn't make sense. I think that's, face on that's it. good. I think that's good. Yeah, Cinderin gets to... Gets extra money for my hard work. That's That sounds yes. good. Also, good. thank you to Magdev. Dear Valve, marketing is a process of promoting products or services to create value for customers and drive business growth. Disco Farm D wishes Nikola Jokic played Dota instead of League. 
Wait, does he actually play League? The Mega Pope. And what's your favorite kind of cake? And why does it contain nuts? Ti in New Zealand. A lot of questions this time. What is your favorite kind of cake? That's a tough one. First thing I thought of was carrot cake, actually, which I oh. I like very much. I don't know if it's my favorite though. What about you? Either a really good chocolate cake, or I mean, I like a lot of fruit cakes too. Damn, I just like cakes. I don't know. I can't choose. Cake's too good. Go I ahead. I really love lemon. Ugh. Uh, Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko, zero one hamscrotes, bacon, shark TM, freshly seasoned goat balls, Janie, dop, nothing to see here, underscore man, guitar strings, Yves Ben Broomhead is booked for TI. Let's go. Let's go, Ben. Wooden aftertaste, anonymous, and NASA found hydrothermal activity and organics on Saturn's moon. Hinting at habitable conditions below its icy surface, Miss an evening. Okay. Saturn of all places. Do you think that, I mean, I know your answer and I think you know mine. Do you think that if we were to explore all the planets and moons in our solar system, that any of them mm -hmm. would be hab habitable to us? Yeah, probably. You're kidding. Huh? You're kidding. You think so? What do you mean? If you were teleported there, you would be able to breathe and function. Oh, just without any sort of adjustments, no. Well, what does habitable mean then? So, the I think what this means with habitable conditions means that there is a chance that there is life. Oh, you're saying some sort of organism, not us. Okay, so what does that mean though? You know, like what conditions need to be like a certain temperature, I'm sure, and then. What else? I mean, it also depends on what organisms you're talking about, right? Because there's some places on Earth that are absolutely, that you would consider uninhabitable, but then there's still organisms that can survive there, right? Like deep in the ocean or... Right. In like the hottest place on Earth, stuff can still survive. So yeah. I, I don't know. It, I, the way I interpret this is that there is a chance that something can live or okay. has lived there. So with that in mind... But not people. I would say, yes, we'll find something that is, can technically be habitable... Mm -hmm. but we're not going to find anything. Us. We're not going to find anything even for bacteria. Mm. I don't think we're going to find shit in our solar system. Ever. I think the chances are very low. The the name that made you go, huh? What was it? Q-Lutes is sure this will be the best guest ever? Mm. Did we um, insinuate that we were the next episode would be a guest? I think I said we're when we're in when we're in Stockholm, there's uh, a good chance that we will do a guest episode. Yeah. And then you were like, "Don't promise anything." And as usual, you were right. We should not have promised <laughs> anything, and we didn't promise anything. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we actually didn't even get around to recording. So we'll we'll talk about be, that. This episode will have a bit of older news, I suppose. Some of them. Yeah, for sure. That's how it goes. Including, but, but not limited to our first section segment. The NBA segment, which I'll try to speed through here. There's three bullet points that I have. Uh, yep. I can't believe it's been so long since we've recorded that I have to say congratulations to Denver Nugget fans. You have won the championship. You beat the Miami Heat 4-1, to one, which means the Suns were technically the second best team because we got two games off of them and nobody else oh, did the entire playoffs. Yes, that's how it works. Uh also, Ja Morant, who, if you guys remember, is the superstar point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. I talked about how he was showing a gun, remember, on Instagram. And the first time he got a warning and like a slight suspension. 
and second time was even worse. Uh, now he's getting suspended for 25 games, which is like 20% of the season or something. Whatever. I mean, it's it's considered a pretty long suspension. So that's the update on him. He's also a moron. That's nothing new, well, it's though. it's in his name. John Moron. Uh, and then the last thing, which is something that I... You remember this uh, Suns mm-hmm. news that happened during, like in between games that we were casting at Dream League, and I mentioned it, of course, in the following intro. Uh, the Suns have traded. Okay, so here's what happened, Cinderin. I'm okay. trying to make you understand the gravity of this situation. The Suns traded um, Chris Paul, which I, that's one person you know at least. He's, he's a musician, right? He's our point guard. Okay. Uh, very old, older point guard. We traded him a bench player, and a bunch of second-round picks for a guy named Bradley Beal. So here, here's the deal. Bradley Beal, a couple of years ago, was scoring 30 points a game. He's been an all-star three times. So now we have three superstar-type players in mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. That's the best trio in the NBA, in my opinion, but the problem is the rest of our roster kind of sucks. So the, the weird thing... And again, I'm trying to sum this up as best I can. So when we went in for, or when we traded for Kevin Durant, which as you know, I wasn't a big fan of because I liked our old team that had depth and some mm-hmm. of my favorite players. We kind of went all in to the degree where we don't have much flexibility going forward. This is me trying to put this in layman's terms because there's a new collective bargaining agreement starting in this next season that will severely restrict people from doing what we're trying to do right now, right? Okay. So based on that trade... We had very limited flexibility. So what we did here is, since we're over that flexibility point, which is called the second apron, not a cooking term, okay. uh, our owner, who doesn't care about money, which is fucking awesome. Only cares about food. He doesn't care about spending extra money. He's like, if we're going to go over that apron anyway, let's just fucking explode past it. So that's what we did. We traded oh, over the- Chris Paul, who we were literally going to waive for nothing. Mm-hmm. And the literal shittiest player in the entire playoffs named Landry Shamit and a bunch of second-round picks for an all-star. And the reason that we were able to do that is because this all-star, Cinderin, who has mm-hmm. a very bad contract, which, again, we don't care about right now, he has the only no-trade clause in the entire league. It's the hardest thing to get in your contract. It means that team cannot trade you unless you give the okay. And they were going in a different direction, so he said... I want to play on the Suns and only the Suns. So they're like, okay, I guess we have to trade you to the Suns if we want to trade you, which they did. So we mm-hmm. gave up basically nothing because we're already capped out on everything we can do. So now we have these three fucking disgusting all-stars. That's a good word, by the way. Mm-hmm. We have useless Aiton and then a bunch of really shit players that we need to resign, okay. <laughs> and then, yeah. So it's going to be an interesting year for the Suns, let's say. But, but Shannon, h- how does the dynamic work in basketball? Because you can have 10 All-Stars in a team, and that doesn't necessarily make it the best team. I mean, it probably would make you the best team, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Are so, they going to work well together, though? Yeah, I think they will. They've, I mean, okay. there's been super teams made before that haven't worked well, and some have. A lot of it, I think if we're not injured, which is a big if, then we will be a top three team in the league easily because uh, i think these three players are able to work well together and okay. offensively there's no question we're going to be the best team in the league i don't think there's a remote chance anybody else can do problem is defense and depth for the suns 
So anyway, essentially okay. our, our window is two years, three years maybe, and the next ten years after that, we're fucked. Like royally in the anus, fucked hard. So All right. that's just how it that goes. That means just three more years of NBA segments and then No, I'll still talk about how shitty we are at that point. Okay. You know? <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, start the episode, which I would like to... I guess we'll mention we're obviously at Dream League. And we'll talk about Dream League a little bit later. And uh, I think we'll probably break that up into you know, our experience and then the tournament itself. But and this is going to be a long-ass yeah. episode, I think, Cinderin. Okay. I had an interesting we'll trip home. Uh, yeah, what happened? Oh, my God. Uh, I wonder if I'll even remember everything. This is going to be a long story, but it's maybe the worst travel experience of my life. And that's saying something because I was stuck in a, uh, what tournament? I think it was Galaxy Quest, where it was a 50-hour travel time, effectively, back home. What? Or I was, it was me and Brax. We were on the plane for a few hours on the runway. It gets canceled in China. They put us in a mega sketch hotel like the one they give you for free to the point mm -hmm. where i was legitimately scared like it was like this is in fucking china i was legit like mm. sick to my stomach scared so nikki made sure that the tournament organizers booked us a better hotel and i felt a lot better about that and then we eventually got home i smelled fucking awful poor brax had to put up with that probably told this story before in the past so that was my worst experience to this point now i have to decide if this one is worse so Traveling back from Stockholm, uh, the flight original flight was delayed an hour, so it's a two two flight leg for me, which I make sure mm -hmm. it's always two flights instead of three. So it's Stockholm to Newark, which is in New Jersey, aka New York area, and then from there to Phoenix. So the Stockholm to Newark was delayed an hour, uh, which you know not that big of a deal, and my connection. Uh, is a four-hour layover, so it's plenty of time. So I wasn't really worried about that. So I get there with three hours to spare. And this fucking airport, man, there's certain segments of it that are so ghetto. The alarm, there, there was a fucking fire alarm going off constantly. Like, literally, it's the type that's blaring in your ears, and it just never stops. And it was, like, legitimately an hour, and they kept repeating this line saying... Someone has switched the fire alarm on. We are looking into this. Apologies. And they would just keep repeating. It's like a fucking... God, it was killing me. So that's after I got my bag to be able to, you know, put in the system, pass customs and all that shit. So then we get to the actual terminal. We meaning me, since I'm traveling alone. And my flight, I go into the lounge, which... Don't get me started. This lounge is fucking awful as well. Uh... So I get to the lounge and I'm just waiting for my flight. It's like three hours to my flight. An hour before my flight, I get a notice on my phone. Your flight's delayed an hour. Okay. I guess that's no big deal. An hour later, another notice. Delayed by an hour. That happens five times. Okay. To the point that it's, I was supposed to leave at like 3 p.m. It's like 8 p.m. Then I get a notice. Your flight's canceled fuck and i start looking it up and a bunch of flights are getting canceled in newark because of the weather 
which it mm-hmm. turns out it's not just the weather, and I'll get to that in a bit. So my flight's canceled, and they're like, okay, use the United app or use our website to rebook or get in line, okay? Not exaggerating here. I was on a phone call with Nikki. The terminal is, I can't even, I don't know how to even estimate how long it is. It's a big loop. I was walking for three and a half minutes, literally three and a half minutes from the beginning of the line, and I still didn't get to the end by the end of the phone call. It is the literal longest line I've ever seen in my life. And if people actually stood in it, which I don't know why they were, it probably would still be going now like because it was going so slow. So that was an option or use the United app or the website, both of which which were crashing constantly because everyone's trying to use it. Yeah. So eventually I get my flight rebooked because I guess it went through at some point, but I never really got any information about me, you know, getting the flight. Because I asked ESL, like, hey, can you, because they're the ones that booked it, can you do anything about this? Like, it looks like you're on a flight already. I'm like, okay. So I look, and it's at 10 p.m., which is a couple hours later. So I'm like, all right, I can barely make the gate. Because I had already gone back to, it's a whole, I'm not going to get into the specifics. I was out of the airport at that point because I was so sick of being in the fucking airport. So I had to go back Mm. through security, rushing through, sweating my balls off. uh, Finally get to the gate with like five minutes to spare. There's hundreds of people just standing around like, what's going on? They haven't even started boarding yet, apparently. So I'm like, okay. So I go up to the front desk and ask, hey, uh, because on my app it says uh, you need to go to the front desk to get a seat, but you have it. Like, we've reserved your, like, what's the fucking way to say that? We've reserved the fact that you're on the plane, but you have to get your actual seat by going to the person at the front desk. Go to the front desk. They can't find my name. I'm not in there. I'm Showing them the app, I'm like, dude, look at my app. It says that I'm on there. And they're like, yeah, I, that's really weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, okay, fuck me. So I can't get on that flight, which turns out to be fine because, and so I'm stuck there a day. Uh, and I'll talk about why that's fine. Sorry, this story's going for so long, but this was miserable. So that sounds I, fucking awful so far. I have to go to a hotel, which they don't provide you a hotel, by the way at all isn't that a legal requirement exactly but they used the uh the weather as an excuse right like this is an act of god so we don't provide the hotel which even just that fact is weird because i'm on a connecting flight right if you're coming from new jersey like if you live there it's not that big of a deal if Mm. you're on a connecting flight like imagine you know you speak fucking english what are you supposed to do they had literal, like, there were so many people that couldn't get flights that they had to make these cots for them to sleep in the airport. I'm like, fuck that. So I go find a hotel that's 40 minutes away. That's how far away I had to go to find a hotel that had a hotel room. And it was the last one at this fucking hotel room. $80 Uber to get that shit. So I do that. I sleep there. And then checkouts at, like, noon. And my next flight, which was rebooked for me, isn't until 8 p.m. So I have nowhere else to go but the airport, so I go there at noon, so I have eight hours to kill, right? I start talking to people that were on that flight that I couldn't get on, and this is what happened to them, so it could have been worse. They got on the plane eventually, first it was delayed three more hours after I was there in person, (laughs) because it wasn't weather, and this is where it gets sketchy, because they're saying a lot of this is weather related, but it ends up being United just don't have, like people are on strike and shit. So a stewardess hadn't shown up yet, and apparently, if, even if you have one less stewardess than necessary, they won't fly the plane. 
So they're waiting for three hours for one staff member to show up. They get on the plane, on the tarmac, they're waiting an hour and a half for whatever fucking reason. And then they get on the runway and they're about to take off and it starts raining. Like, okay, it's canceled. (laughs) So they get them off the flight. That would have been me. So this story would have been even worse. So from my side, I get back to the hotel the next day or the, the airport the next day and I'm waiting for my flight. First of all, and I know this is not that big of a deal. I don't get lounge access because mm-hmm. apparently you have to be on an international flight to get lounge, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, and I realized that I left my charger for my tablet in the lounge the previous day because I was so stressed out and I could never mm-hmm. get it back. So I had to order a new one online. Anyway, so I'm waiting eight hours for this fucking flight. And guess what happens again? Delay. Again, get a notice. An hour delay. Another hour delay. At this point, I'm like, all right, this flight's definitely getting canceled, right? Uh, And it's supposed to be at 8 p.m. It is now 12 p.m., so midnight. I'm like, all right, where's the cancel notice? Some plane from Charlotte came up to our gate and was stuck there for hours with people in it to the point where they let them out of the plane to get food and they can bring back the food again. And then once they got on the plane, then it got canceled. So they had to leave. And then everybody left the Charlotte plane and the plane was stuck there for hours. They were like, where's like, I was talking to the people that were supposed to be helping us with the gate. And like, this is where the Phoenix flight is supposed to be. But this Charlotte plane is stuck here with no one to move it. Everybody's like, what the... F-? This is where people are starting to get really upset. Like, some people were there for three days. They're getting really upset, screaming. Like, this fucking plane is just sitting there with no one to move it. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I don't understand. Just use another gate. So then, they had two flights, Dallas and Phoenix, at the same gate. And nobody knows which flight that people... Like, we have literal, like, 400 people crowding around this one fucking gate. Then the Dallas flight gets canceled finally. And the Phoenix flight, okay, so any minute now, we're going to get fucking canceled, right? So then, they're like, all right, you're at a different gate. The Phoenix flight is still a go. It's midnight at that point. So we go to a different gate. More delays. Ends up being 3.30 in the morning that we board the plane. And then we take off, and I'm back home now. And I still don't have my bag because it never showed up, so... One of the worst, maybe the worst flight experience of my life. So I was stuck there for two and a half days, uh, which is why I didn't cast the major today. That is fucking crazy. That is my trip. Thank you, United. You guys fucking suck ass. Uh, I need to... That's the issue with being at Phoenix. This is why airlines have loyalty programs. It's so that... Even if they do this, you kind of still feel like you have to keep flying with them because I'm, of the benefits. That's true. I'm strongly considering going with somebody. But then again, they're all probably the same, right? I, I don't know. I've not personally had an experience like this, but this also sounds obscene. Like, you could probably fly your entire life with any airline and not have this happen. Yeah. It's just like, this is probably the worst story of delays I've heard from anyone, at least in Dota, when it comes to, uh, well, from anyone. Um, when it comes to the lace, that's fucking ridiculous. So at the end of the day, when you landed in New York, you could have got home faster by just taking the train. Train? Sorry, this yeah. America we're talking about. Yeah, you could. I mean, there's. You could have probably found some sort of other way of getting there. It wasn't the only way to get home, right? 
if you take like four different trains or something. I I think you you underestimate how many trains there are. Mm. I was thinking about renting a car and driving. The drive would have been twenty plus hours. It's far. Like it's literal opposite side yeah. of the country. Yeah. Um Okay. I thought you actually had railroads through the entirety. I'm I feel like we maybe we have some, I don't know. I don't know enough about okay. the public transport in the US is very bad. But I was thinking about renting I mean, a car, but I'm sure they were all rented far. out, right? Like all the hotels are rent like <laughs> Because there's thousands of people stranded there still. So That's it's fucked, crazy. man. It's terrible. It felt like I was yeah. in a third world country. Like at first, I'm like, if I'm going to be stranded anywhere, at least I'm in the US. Like before I was in China. So that was kind of scary. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't scared. But the incompetence I have never experienced before is insane. Scary levels of incompetence, though. Yeah, that is true. Um, okay. Well, this makes my travel story pale by comparison, obviously. Because yeah, I did how was not your trip back home? <laughs> Piece no, of but shit. actually, mine was unique as well because I had something happen that I've never had happen before. Oh, okay. Uh, but obviously, in terms of like intensity, this is way easier. But I'm sitting at the gate, and it's like an hour and fifteen minutes until departure, and then I get a text on my phone: "Your flight is canceled." So mm -hmm. like, oh, wonderful! And it's the only flight of the day that goes where I need to go. So I was like, I'm already mentally preparing for. Okay, assuming how many people need to get on this flight, we probably can't all get redirected through another airport to get home the same day. So I'm like already like, oh fuck. Wait, I'm was get this home sorry? Was this in Stockholm? This happened? Or? This was in Oslo. So I was flying home through Sto through Oslo from Stockholm. Oh, yeah. I have to do one switch, and so I'm in Oslo. The flight gets canceled with an hour until, and then 15 minutes later, I get a text. Uh, Please pick up your baggage at baggage band one, um, and we will update you on what we're going to do as a replacement flight. So I'm like, okay, so I go out through um, I go out through the door where you can't go back in, and then I sit and wait at the luggage bin, and my luggage just never shows up. So like 50, another 15 minutes go by, I get another text. Lol, by the way, your flight isn't cancelled. Uh, if you went to get your bag, uh, please check it back in with, us, with your airline. Otherwise, um, otherwise, it should be on the flight. So they effectively cancelled the flight, sent me out to get my bag, then it was uncancelled, and I have to go back in through security and everything is fine. I've never let, had that happen Interesting. Before. No, but like, how does that... Have you had that happen before? That no. it's like it's canceled and then uncanceled? No, it's never. Like, what the hell is this? So it was delayed by... I think instead it was delayed by a couple of hours. But that was very, very random. So you um, got your bag and everything though? Yeah, I did. So in comparison to yours, like I said, very mild thing. But I just thought it was very... I've flown a lot of times. And I've never had a flight get canceled and then... 30 minutes later, they're like, oh, by the way, it's not canceled. If you were like, stuck in Oslo, what, binary what would canceled. you have done? Like, is there public transport to be able to get back home or uh, in some capacity? I could technically have taken a ferry, I guess. That and then, I don't, I don't know if that would have been worth it time-wise, though. Depending on how it lined up, maybe. So, but. to finish mine, uh, apparently my luggage is in L.A. <laughs> or yesterday, it was in L.A., I, I think what they did, so they just had, like, if I wanted to regain my luggage, I needed to be in a five-hour line in Newark, right? And I'm like, fuck that shit. I would rather oh. lose my luggage at that point. Yeah. So I guess they just didn't have enough people to actually go through it and put the proper suitcases where they needed to go. So they just sent a bunch to LA, kind of like outsourcing, I guess. And it was supposed to be delivered to my house today, but I never got a call. So still TBD. 
Oh my god. Yeah. That's it's going to be a rough one. Actually unbelievable. All right. Next topic uh, is real quick. So, and I, I'm not going to say that 100% this has been fixed, but I'm saying 99% because I did test it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple bug. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story. So there's a bug. It's not just in Ability Arena, but in regular Dota as well. But it started with Ability Arena where I noticed it. Um, there's a huge bug in our game since day one where after a certain point of the game, let's say like halfway through or whatever, you mm-hmm. can't and you get disconnected or whatever, you can't reconnect. It's the biggest complaint about our game. It exists mm-hmm. in other game modes, but it found out that it's a has something to do with like how many... I don't know what the right terminology is, but the amount of assets that are in the game currently. So that's why the longer the game has gone, the more assets there are. And if you try to reconnect, it just never, like you get like a loading screen and you can hear stuff, but you can never actually get into the game and see anything. And I I noticed that this similar thing was happening with me. And I, I, maybe other people had this issue as well. I know a few people said they did where at a certain point, like a year and a half ago, I stopped, being able to watch games in Dota. Did you have that issue or was that somebody else? Uh, I don't think I had that, but I remember you talking about it. Yeah, so what would happen is I'd go into Dota TV, try to watch a game, and it would be effectively the same thing where it would just be stuck on a loading screen. Sometimes I could hear sounds behind it, sometimes not. It would just never reconnect. The way that I was fixing it for the last six months is I would go to options and change the network. i just toggle it. To whatever the other one isn't so it's, there's the high and low and it would start working and if i close dota open it up again i'd have to toggle it to the other one to make it work so this is like the ghetto solution but i found it interesting that it was kind of like the same it looked like the same problem as in ability arena so hmm. what my coder did is he created a mod that kind of replicates this issue so that valve can look at it and say hey this is this is what's happening in our game mode this is the biggest complaint Mm-hmm. and is there a way for you to fix it because there's literally nothing we can do on our end anymore and it also might be related to this dota tv issue which nobody apparently i don't understand how there must be many people that have this issue so mm-hmm. they put in a hot fix last week and i tested it today since i haven't been able to use a computer really properly and both are fixed for me so if you're Hell playing yeah. ability arena and you've had disconnect issues where you can't reconnect that should be fixed now and I tested a few times with Dota TV, and that's working for me now. So, just right. a, a PSA, I suppose. And you can watch Dota in Dota TV again. Yes. I'm interested in the comments. Please let me know if you were having issues with it, because I feel like if a lot of people were having issues, Valve would have known about it, and they would have fixed it a long time ago. But... I don't know, it's so weird. Like for literally Maybe nobody two years. else than you has problems with this and they were like, fuck it, he's emailed us twenty times. We'll just do it so he shuts Maybe. the fuck up and then they fixed it. Maybe. It was literally a you account only, and they just went in and ticked another box that said do not punish anymore. <laughs> that they just yeah. put you on a shit list three years ago. I mean, if I was a dev, guy. I would I would do shit like that too, honestly, if I had the choice. <laughs> you are the worst. But it's like it's a year and a half that I haven't been able to watch Dota TV properly, and I know there's at least some people that have had the same issue, but apparently it's not widespread enough. So, either way, that should be fixed. Uh, okay. All right. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So let's talk about Dream League Season 20, Cinderin. Do you want to talk about yes. the tournament first or our experience, which maybe there isn't even that much to talk about? I think we just talk about the tournament first. Okay, so, go ahead. Yeah, so this is a long format, obviously. Uh, Dream League has this double group stage format, which I think very few tournaments even run nowadays, or in general. Um, first, there's two groups of eight, of which the lower half get eliminated. And then there's afterwards one group of eight, in which the lower half gets eliminated again. And the top four advance, of which top two are upper bracket finals, and bottom two are lower bracket semis. So it's a four-team double limb bracket for the last two days. Um, it's a marathon. It's kind of hard to like just summarize, but what we can, I think what we talk about will mainly be positive surprises and negative ones. I guess that's what we usually do. So in group stage one, I'll just mention the eliminated teams. Uh, so the eliminated teams in group stage one were Tundra and Secret, who lost a three-way tie with EG, TSM, and Team Liquid, as always, TSM got a million draws, but didn't win, so that wasn't enough. Uh, and in the other group, Beast Coast, Shopify Rebellion, OG, and Entity all got eliminated. So those eight teams got knocked out, out of which I guess the biggest surprise, probably Team Liquid, they were bottom of their group, which yeah. is very surprising given their recent tra- track records. This was definitely not a good tournament for them. I think, in a way, positive surprise that Secret got into a three-way tie for fourth. I don't think a lot of people had them going through, but they were very close. Uh, so they were starting to show some pretty good form, honestly. should mention that Team Liquid, because they got last, means they haven't qualified for Riyadh yet, which is... That is correct. They got, I think, second last time, right? Yeah, so average placement is not good enough. They just they basically needed to get through the group, and they would have made it, but yeah. they didn't. So, uh, And also should mention, in this group, first place was eight and six. And the three-way tie for fourth was seven and seven. So Secret were literally one game off being top of the group instead. Um, tied for first. Same for Tundra and same for EG. EG got seven draws. That's pretty incredible. Uh, in the other group, I guess the biggest negative surprise, probably Shopify Rebellion. And you could argue Beast Coast as well. Neither of them went through. Uh, but it's tough groups. It's really, really good teams playing in this tournament. So It's funny, though, um, because in some of these, like for Group B as an example... Uh, Nine Pandas and Aster looked really good in the group stage, and they mm-hmm. looked complete dog shit in the second group stage. It's crazy, like how some of these teams look so bad, yeah, and then amazing, and then vice versa. But yep, that's because in the second group stage, Aster and Nine Pandas got seventh, eighth, and then EG and Spirit got fifth, sixth, and then Talon takes fourth. So Talon made it through. 
in that group together with Game and Gladiators. They got third and fourth in that group respectively, and Bet Boom and PSGLD get first and second. Uh, PSGLD going in as top seed with six and one, and Bet Boom and Gladiators tied at five two, but Bet Boom won the tiebreaker. So then we go into the bracket, and Game and Gladiators start off in lower, and they beat Talon two to one. Um, in the upper bracket final, Bet Boom annihilate LGD. It was even re- not even remotely close. That was the most one-sided series of the bracket. Uh, and then in the lowers, PSGLD then faces Gaiman. Gaiman Gladiators win that two to one. So they get through again, and we're like, oh, oh, it's a grand finals. Gaming Gladiators. Oh, no. Is it happening again? Because Bet Boom looked really good. And guess what? It fucking happened again. <laughs> um, they won the finals 3-2. to two. After being down 2-1, Gaming Gladiators win four Tier 1 tournaments in a row, which is the first time it's ever happened in Dota, actually. Really? Uh, we've had other extremely dominant streaks. For example, there was the era of Team Secret during COVID That's where they were I winning would... like l- literally everything. During COVID. But those tournaments those tournaments were not tier one, all of them. Wait, what so, about the original secret? I remember that team crushing at a certain They might have won three in a row or something like that. Because mm. the thing is, what constitutes a tier one tournament is generally I feel like it's not, I don't know if it's fully de- defined how, and maybe it's up to the individual how they define it, but usually what makes a tier one tournament is that it has to have international competition from multiple regions, and it has to, I don't know if it, yeah, so it doesn't technically have to have a LAN, because this tournament wasn't on LAN. The teams were boot camping in the region, but they weren't playing in booths together. Um, so I think it's mainly just about interregional play and the quality of teams present. And obviously during COVID, a lot of the stuff Secret 1 would have been Europe only, right? So a lot of those tournaments were considered Tier 2 because they didn't compete against other regions. Um, and in, I think the year you're thinking of is maybe 2015 when Secret were winning tons of stuff and then headed into TI as favorites. And did terribly, uh, yeah. I think they won two or three big events back-to-back, of which I would say maybe all were tier one and maybe this was the record that gaming just beat that might actually have been secrets from 2015 that wouldn't surprise me but they did it again shannon this team seems unstoppable it's actually kind of unbelievable at this point because this time they had to overcome way more adversity this time they did not look very good comparatively in the groups they didn't look they i mean they still got good results in group two it wasn't like you know but they still they figured it out toward the end, and they beat Bet Boom by one game. And the way this game ended was left a lot to be desired, unfortunately, from Bet Boom. They they blink initiate with their Doom. He f- doesn't pop BKB prior to his blink. He gets instant hexed, dies, and doesn't have buyback. And then game yeah. and just push and win. And it's one of those moments where like I wonder if uh, like it always leaves you wondering. Okay, what if he did everything right? What would have happened? Because that fight could have been so different. But Dota's a game of mistakes, and people make mistakes even at the highest level. So that's that. Game and do it again. And which, um, which uh, do you want to talk about any notable heroes? Like Undying was played literally every game. It felt like Enchantress was a big pick. Morphling was the uh, first, carry of the event. First, I want to say Bet Boom was obviously a major positive. We talked about a couple of negatives. I think Bet Boom getting top four, first of all, was a great positive surprise, but getting top two is huge for them for two reasons. First of all, they have not had a great track record in international competition, so now they finally get that monkey off their back and get a good result. 
And secondly, because they didn't play in Dream League Season 19, they actually needed to get top two here to even qualify mm. because they have no average placement um, going into this. So, oh, so And on it, top of all of that, they were a replacement team. So you're saying Execration if Liquid or... didn't play in this event, they would have qualified? No, that's not how it works, I think. Well, what do you mean? I, I, don't, I don't think it works like that, that you can... No, that makes no sense. Well, you just said Boom didn't play in the first one. Right, and because they didn't, they needed a really high place. I'm, maybe the second one is worth more points than the first one or something. Because you're right, yeah. technically Liquid got a second place and then a last place, right? Which should be the same as getting If it's weighted differently, no then sure. Yeah, that's my only assumption here. Okay. I don't know, though, for sure how the system works. But Betboom were a replacement team for Execration who couldn't obtain visas. So they might not even have played. And I will now say Betboom and their roster, team, so. they're not particularly good on LAN. This was not on LAN, obviously. Mm -hmm. so maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see some more teams step it up. Yep. Even though Gaiman still end up winning it anyway. So you were talking about heroes and trends. We can quickly have a look at that. So... I just need to get the heroes in front of me so I can remember all of them. So big heroes this tournament. Morphling, obviously, is huge. Brood. Uh, we saw Undying almost every game, like you said. And because Morphling got so popular, the game kind of became about how do you beat Morph if you don't ban it? And the number one carry-to-carry matchup there was Anti-Mage. So we actually got to see a lot of AM games, which I thought was personally a bit refreshing to see AM. Unfortunately, it was only against Morph. So we got to see Morph a billion times. Mm -hmm. um, what else was really trending? Techies, Those are the techies undying, ones. I think, techies are the two was, big supports. Techies was mega com contested all the time, but his win rate seemed like okay-ish. I think he got like maybe 55%, which is still really high considering how many games it was, but mm. I didn't really get as tired of techies as I did of Morph, I'll say. Um, Agreed. And part of the reason Morph was a bit frustrating is that his ags is just egregious. Like He just nullifies the enemy care and becomes better than them. It's not particularly inspiring. It's not very interesting. Um, Primal Beast made a comeback, which was fun. He started becoming a lot more popular toward the end. Some teams are running that. Spirit Breaker looked pretty good. Uh, and keep in mind, there was a patch halfway through the tournament. So obviously, the balance shifted at some point. Because we came in with some other heroes that were just True. bonkers. Such as Magnus, who fell off a cliff. He went from being <laughs> like top tier to unpicked, more or less. Uh, and we get to see a little bit of a... This wasn't... This became a situational pick, but I thought it was really fun to see Spellcaster Lina again in mid. That was yeah, nice. I agree. With Flame Cloak and just insane bursts. I, th I think she's That's missing fun. a bit, though. And I think we talked about this on the cast. I think the Aether Lens is really weird. That you, you buy this item that never actually upgrades. I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of the games for her were either really good or really bad and not much in between. Yeah. So I think she's still missing like a little hero. tiny tweak that makes her more of a standard pick. But yeah, it was good to see her again. As long as it's not every game like in the previous patches. Yeah. I think it, when Lena is like a later pick and a counter pick, that's when I like the hero the most. Because then I feel like it's her identity that teams are looking for rather than, oh, this hero is just broken on numbers. So we pick it every game like the attack speed Lena, right? Mm-hmm. That was just fundamentally stupid. Uh, and this one is really, really strong in certain aspects of the game, but it has major drawbacks, which was why that Carolina was so good. It didn't really have any major drawbacks. It was insane in lane. It scaled incredibly well. It had awesome itemization. And Lena's usual weakness, which is that she's frail, 
You just overcame that with item build and talents. But now it's quite different, because like you said, when you play it as a caster, first of all, the, the right-click Lena is a very nerfed, so it's not really as appealing at all. And when you play her as a spellcaster, she kind of needs to buy items that, such as Aetherlands that don't tank her up. So she still inherently has that weakness if you do catch her. So I, I like this version of Lena a lot more um, and how she fits in. So that was nice. <clears throat> that was nice for me to see. I think those are the biggest stories on Heroes, probably. Okay. And right. then in terms of the experience so. for you and me at Dream League? Yeah. thought it was a good time. It was pretty chill. Um, we have some, uh, we are in agreement about where we prefer to stay when we're in Stockholm, which it sounds like others don't necessarily agree with, but we like the place we were at. Yeah, um, we did. The, f I like the, we went out for dinner a couple of times. I thought that was Ooh, nice. The place right. we went to were good. Um, well mention the that. overall, we, we had Ethiopian food. That's the first yeah. time either of us had had Ethiopian food. And I thought it was, it was like this, what do they call the bread? Remember the name? Oh, I forgot what it's called. There's man. some name for it, but there's like a bread on the bottom covering everything and then a bunch of different injera, like, injera with different meats or different little like blobs of stuff that you just take the bread apart and dip it in. Uh, I think you and Ted, aka Pyrian Flax, were not big fans of the bread. I thought the bread was, I mean, if it was a different type of bread, it would have been better. I agree, but I didn't dislike it. But mm -hmm. I thought the whole meal... Very unique, very good. I thought I was gonna have like complete diarrhea explosions after zero effect. <laughs> it was good experience, but I agree. The bread yeah. it gets soggy after a while, and the bread it doesn't have like I mean it's, it's it feels like it's more of a vessel to yeah. use to dip into stuff instead of it's supposed to be tasting good. It was just it like almost whatever. Feels bread. like to an extent it was cutlery. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. you used it to eat the other stuff, and this way you can eat with your hands. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, the food was definitely good. I thought the, the the bread is just, and I think this is just how it is. I don't think the place necessarily made it poorly, but feel free to correct me because obviously I'm not an expert on it at all. Um, I think this is just how injera kind of is, but I thought it was very bland and mm. very... It's like very, imagine you take bread and you make it fluffy and then has less flavor effectively than mm -hmm. other breads you would imagine, which makes it really flexible and very good for scooping stuff up with. But because it is so watery, it doesn't taste like very much. Um, but yeah, I, if it was it like, was, it was just cool to if try. If it was like garlic sure. naan under that, holy shit. Because everything else that was yeah. on top of it, that was really good. I am a big sucker for naan. That shit's so good. So yeah, that for me as well. If there was naan bread instead, it would have been really amazing. But yeah, it was still it was good, and it's fun to try new stuff. I love trying new food, so that was cool. Uh, we went to a sushi place we've been to before as well, which is great quality. So that was nice, of course. Uh, then we went and had Greek as well, which yep. I thought was also nice. That was also a good place. So good track record on the restaurants that we went to. Um, what else did we do? ice cream place <laughs> oh yeah we went to an ice cream place two or three three times i think which gelato you're just like i want to have ice cream and then we looked up and there was this place with really good ratings that was like a 15 minute walk and then we went there we went for that walk three times or something really fucking good so really you very, went four times gelato don't, don't discount it did i go four times you I think went, I went once without times. me so yeah. and you went three times yeah oh well, I might have gone four times. It, <laughs> okay. it was fucking. I thought I only went three. It was really yeah. good. Holy yeah, shit! That was good. 
Uh, um, aside from that, we obviously, as always, we hung out with the other talent and in the usual place. So it's not like the, the setup was much different. But I think for us, this is the first time we're on the new Dream League set, which was really nice. Yeah. The studio setup for it. It is as nice as it looks on camera. It's not like they did some magic or whatever. That studio is just really, really nice where the panel takes place. Um, it's one of my favorite setups ever for Dota events. So that was really nice. Um, the casting is off to the side. I was hoping it would be an integrated part of the studio, but I guess they just have technical limitations there. But it would be really cool if we could also be in the room along with the panel mm. uh, on the side. So like an entire... like. You know, the similar thing where in sports studios, there's like the expert panel and then they will send it over to some sort of segment on the side or whatever. If they could just pan the camera and the casters were there. Yeah, theoretically, you could just flip where we were, right? Because we had a backdrop. But the thing is then that wall that we were behind is a big decorative wall that has a lot of stuff on it. But technically, we could have maybe sat next to it somehow. I Mm. think that could have worked. But anyway, I'm sure there's a reason. for For the format, though... I really enjoyed, like, I like casting a lot in short succession because I think it mm-hmm. builds momentum. Like, this is, I, I think the, my biggest criticism of the last TI, which we're going to get to the future one soon, mm-hmm. is that we just didn't cast, we had four best of threes the whole time. That's crazy yeah. to me. We didn't do groups. Groups were done remote. So we fly in and we don't we aren't like warmed up to That's, the meta to how the teams are playing to how we are casting with each other like yeah just, I, I think maybe other i haven't really talked to other casters about this as much but i know you feel the same way as me that for us and our dynamic i think building on each cast is actually really important because like stupid shit like grab ally or whatever memes that we create it's like inside jokes we have just get expanded and the evolve throughout the tournament and then yeah. with the next tournament, it goes back to zero again. So if you're starting, mm-hmm. if you only have four best of threes, you, you can't really get, I feel like you're losing a lot there. Yeah. Uh, so this one, that wasn't an issue. If anything, there was a little bit, slightly too much casting because we didn't. There was a lot of games. Like yeah. us, we didn't get a day off at all. <clears throat> Other people did. So that, I mean, there's just probably two days of too much casting probably. It's just literally every day, two best of threes essentially. But Pretty much. I, I like that still overall. Uh, and I think Dream League or ESL does a really good job of putting these tournaments together. Okay, and last thing I'll mention before I go to the next topic. Uh, there was a sauna in the hotel. Oh, that, that we, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. We were going to uh, every day for the first five or six days. Uh, Cinder never went for some reason. Yeah, you really made a good case for going now. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say this. One time Manscaped I went... Manscaped is going to love this segment, actually. They will. So one time I went... It's a Manscaped-sponsored segment. I'll, I'll end with the Manscaped portion. But first, there's one time I went that I stayed too long. It's actually the last time I went. And it's weird how this works. Like, obviously, you're supposed to drink water before, drink water after. I was trying to do that. And you don't realize how warm you are while you're in there. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels hot. But like the toll on your body if you stay too long. Like what we would do is we stay for 15, 20 minutes. It's like 80, 85 degrees Celsius in there. Mm-hmm. And then we'd leave for like five minutes and then go back in for like five to 10 more minutes or whatever. I think that's the issue that we had, that I or I had. Because one night I went back to the hotel. I was feeling kind of woozy, honestly. Then I went to bed. I woke up three hours later and I felt like I was literally going to die. 
and I ended up sitting on the toilet. I was thinking, like, I'm going to literally shit and vomit. <laughs> and I've never done that before in one sitting. Luckily for me, it was just one. It was the shitting. And once I got that out of my system, I felt a lot better. But it's weird how that can have an effect on your bowels, even. <laughs> it really is. It really is weird. It's kind of like with the bug you have in Dota. It happens literally only for you, Shannon. This is a you problem. No. This isn't a common thing. So I went to the sauna for 20 minutes, and then I have to shit myself for 30 minutes. Yeah. It's called being severely dehydrated. So that does happen. Okay. Mm. This is, that's actually common sense. I just stayed okay. too long in the sauna. Okay. Got All right. It. And the second, <laughs> the second portion of this story. Uh, so here's, let me just paint this. Okay. The people that would go to us, uh, we obviously the group would be a little bit different every time. It was basically every time it would be me, Jenkins, sheep sticked, and occasionally Effie, occasionally Tsunami. Uh, who else? I can't remember. BSJ. Maybe Shiver went. No, Shiver definitely did not oh. go with me. Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> with you. So specifically. So when I got there, I wasn't. I didn't know there was going to be a sauna. I wasn't preparing to go swimming or do. They didn't have a pool, but I'm just saying, like, I didn't prepare my clothes. Let's say. Mm -hmm. So in order to go to the sauna, which nobody's getting naked for this, by the way, except mm -hmm. for old men that occasionally come in. Uh, so the only thing I could feasibly wear were my boxers, okay? And I I don't know how to exp I don't wear boxer briefs. Those are the ones that like hug your balls. I wear the loose boxers because I like it loosey goosey. Okay, I like things right. hanging. Problem yeah. with that is uh, things may uh, pop out occasionally. So one night we were in. It was me, Jenkins, and Sheepstick, and I'm in there, no towel on. It's just my boxers. And I make a joke like, you know, just so you know, my balls may may make an appearance. Like, I don't actually think it's going to happen, right? I'm just making a joke, just making light of things. It's so much worse then, because you preface it. And then 10 minutes later, like, sheep sticks on my left. And I'm, I, like, uh, lean over a little bit. And I look to my left. And I see my left nut is just hanging out. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, did you see my nuts? Because... I didn't realize it was just hanging out here. And she's like, yeah, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> like, you could have told me. Instead of just letting it hang out here for so long. <laughs> so, the next day, you know, we're laughing about it. And I keep, I'm telling the story to everybody. Because it's so fucking funny. That somebody saw one of my nuts, right? And uh, we go to the sauna the next night. Because <laughs> apparently everybody wants, wants to get back in there. And I'm in the locker room getting uh, my clothes off, other than my boxers, of course. So I'm in my boxers now, and Jenkins is there. And there's a locker with like a little step above it where you can like, you know, easily put your foot up and tie your shoes and stuff. And I'm standing there, and I look down at my boxers, and I realize they're completely inside out, which doesn't matter. It's just funny that they're inside out. Like, I didn't look at it apparently any point of the day. So I tell Jenkins, hey, look, look at my boxers. So he starts looking, and as he's doing that, for some reason, I lift my leg <laughs> on the step, and he can just see my balls and cock. Hey? <laughs> and, he's like, and of course, he looks directly at them. So effectively, for I... Some uh, reason. <laughs> well, I didn't realize everything was going to hang out that easy. It's like, Jesus Christ. These things really have no support in them at all. So effectively, I uh, unintentionally flashed two members of the uh, Dota casting team. 
our Dota oh commentary team. If I didn't know you, I'd be like, you're fucking <laughs> shitting me that it wasn't on purpose. The way you're explaining it. So, oh, oops, you know, I didn't know it was going to happen. Oh, yeah, I showed my testicle yesterday in the sauna, but today, look, James, my shorts are inside out. <laughs> he fucking looks and it happens. <laughs> you can't make this shit up, man. It's so fucking uh, funny. That's good. Oh, my God. You didn't, you told me the story there, obviously, but you didn't tell me the detail that she had seen it and just not <laughs> they were just hanging out there for all the scene. She's like, oh, I guess is. his nuts are hanging out. Right. So after that, oh. after the second incident, Amen. after the second incident, I started wearing a towel over my boxers. And then after that, people stopped going to the sauna. So exactly. Like they were they Connection? Were missing the gun show. <laughs> yeah, it just... The... <laughs> the <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. You you really tried to convince me. You should come to the sauna scene. I'm showing my balls every day. Yeah, I was like, you, this is not selling it. You could have been part <laughs> of that story, Cinderin. You're gonna regret I that could, now. I could. I'm having a really good laugh because I wasn't. So it's all good. <laughs> Excellent. All oh right. Let's god. go on to the That's next so top. Funny. Man, this is gonna be a long ass podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Next yeah, topic. It was worth it for that story though. Next topic is... The blog post posted 10 days ago, so it is old news, but this is maybe the biggest news we've had in years, I think. Yeah. It's funny that we're going we're trying to se uh, segue from my balls being flashed to the future of Dota, but I guess that's I just I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's just us in a nutshell, no pun intended, I guess. Oh. Okay, so I guess uh we're just going to read this whole thing, right? you want to maybe we can just paraphrase it it's pretty long to just read out i mean i haven't read it recently so okay sure we can split it in half how about that yeah that's fine okay right. i'll read uh up until the present i guess okay go okay. ahead we'll do normal voice we'll not do old man no I, angry I'll, this is like that's the most serious much. news we've had about dota in a yeah. long time so all right i'll start out so, so british voice Yes, this is from June 20th. <laughs> Learning from the past, looking to the future is the headline. So then it says, The 10-year anniversary of Dota's public release is coming up. Yes, we're working on some fun stuff for it. No, we're definitely not going to hit the July 9th date listed on Steam. As anniversaries go, 10 years is a big one, and while looking back is important, what's more important is how we approach the 10 years to come. So I'd like to take this opportunity to share with you our thoughts on the long history of Dota updates, what we've learned, and how that helps our plans to make Dota even better in the decade ahead. Then the past is the headline for this. 
Early Dota updates were diverse in form and scale, themed around everything from new heroes to new cosmetics, new gameplay modes to new client features. While details varied, all of these updates shared the same goal, generate a bunch of excitement and entertainment for existing Dota players and bring new players in. Some were successful, Dire Tide 2012, some were less successful, Dire Tide 2013. We learned from all of them and continued to experiment. In 2013, two years into running the International, we saw how much fun people were having at the event and had a new idea. What if we could bring some of that fun to anybody who couldn't attend in person? So we created a digital companion to the event and called it the International Interactive Compendium. The compendium grew in scope over the years and ultimately transformed into the Battle Pass, acquiring a reward line and spawning a wide variety of content. Features that earlier in Dota's history might have been fun-themed updates, minigames and item sets, arcanas and voice lines, gradually got swallowed by the Battle Pass. New game modes, new functionality, new cosmetics, anything that could fit. The nature of the Battle Pass is such that it could grow to encompass just about any content we produce for Dota over the year. And over the last few years it did. Battle Pass season has grown to be a tremendously exciting time in Dota, but it leaves the rest of the year feeling barren by comparison. Uh, so before you continue, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, this whole meta that video games have now of having a Battle Pass was largely spawned by TI, right? Yes. Like this, this is effectively a part of tons mm -hmm. of games, but Valve just got this idea implemented it the way that they did and this started so the most notable what are the most notable battle passes that video games have actually because there's so many now right I but like in big titles fortnite comes to mind at least they more or less carbon copied it right um yeah i don't know there's there's many games that have it that one that one just stood out to me i, I don't play enough anyway. games to really <laughs> be able to tell you. so I, i'll say this though up until this point of the article Mm -hmm. I, I was actually, it was a good read. Like yeah. it was a positive, like it felt like a positive thing was going to come from this, right? I don't know if you felt the mm -hmm. same. Because they're talking about yeah. how the battle pass was too much of mm -hmm. the season, which we've agreed on many times. So yeah. let's continue. The present. Last year, we started to ask ourselves whether Dota was well served by having the single focal point around which all content delivery was designed. Each step we had taken made sense when considered independently. Any single piece of content would be more valuable when bundled as part of the Battle Pass, so we bundled more and more. This led to a momentous content drop every year, but it also greatly limited our ability to do things that were exciting and valuable for players but didn't fit into the Battle Pass reward line. When we recognized this, we made deliberate choice, made a deliberate choice earlier this year to run an experiment to take some of the resources that would <clears throat> normally produce Battle Pass content and instead put them towards more speculative updates, including features and content that couldn't fit into a Battle Pass. While work is still in progress on future updates, the first of these has shipped, New Frontiers and Patch 7.33, couldn't have shipped as they did if we were focusing all our efforts on producing Battle Pass content. So that's not true, I don't think. Uh, this, is, this is not part of the article. <laughs> I'm just stopping for a moment. <laughs> like, oh, by the way, we I, showed our testicles. I mean, 7.00 came out while this battle pass trend was happening, right? So I think this is more of, to me at least, meaning they just don't have enough people working on Dota anymore. Anyway, I'll continue. Most Dota yes. players never buy a battle pass and never get any rewards from it. Every Dota player has gotten to explore the new map, play the new items, and accidentally died to a tormentor. Every Dota player benefits from UI improvements and new client features. Community response to New Frontiers has helped us build confidence that working less on cosmetic content for the Battle Pass and more on a variety of exciting updates is the right long-term path for Dota as both a game and a community. 
And then the final headline of the future. We're going, to tr uh, we're going to continue on the path that started with New Frontiers. This means we're building a wide variety of features and content for the game delivered in different ways. We'll still ship a range of cosmetics over the year, but we're also going to ship more diverse updates for all Dota players to enjoy. We recognize this affects the international. <clears throat> we're still fans, still huge fans of TI, and we're excited for this year's event, both as organizers and as attendees ourselves. And work is well underway on a TI-themed update to ship in September. The update will still contribute directly to the prize pool with a focus on the event, the players, and the games, but new cosmetic types won't play a notable part. This is a significant change from the last few years, so to make it clear that we're shifting focus towards the event and away from the giant reward line of cosmetics, we're intentionally not calling this update a battle pass. We're excited for the future of Dota and for what these changes allow us to do. We're already working on the next update. We're working on the next updates and a host of new cosmetic items. And we've already started conversations with venues for TI 2024. By freeing Dota's update and content cycle from the timing and structural constraints of Battle Pass, we can go back to making content in the way that we know best by coming up with fun ideas of all scales and shapes and exploring them with you. So since right. I am the negative person of the two of us, although you are changing rapidly, <laughs> I want to know... I mean, we talked about this when this first dropped. Mm -hmm. What were your impressions at the time? And has that changed at all since in the last 10 days? So what I think based on this is, first of all, TI's prize pool will be significantly smaller because the main, I would say the main draw for most people when they buy the battle pass and level it up is to get exclusive cosmetic rewards. And they're saying that it's going to play, won't play a notable part that wording makes it sound like there will be something, but it won't be the primary draw. So that begs the question, what are people going to pay for? What are whales going to spend a lot of money on? What is the casual person that would buy a level one battle pass? What is their trade-off going to be? What are they paying for? Are you going to monetize a game mode? Are you going to monetize? Like, I don't know. There's just so many question marks about this. How are they raising money for the prize pool? Because... In reality, every compendium has been tied to cosmetics, right? Maybe except TI three. I mean, the early what ones. Was in that compendium? I, yeah, the early ones I don't really remember very much. Those were mainly interactive. So it was the interactive compendium, and what you did in there was you could like uh, predict certain things to get rewards, and uh, there was some yeah. sort of there was some cosmetic. At oh, man, I don't remember anymore. It's ten years ago, but. Um, definitely a way less cosmetic intensive version and it started really ramping up over the years as they wrote so that's all true um, now there's two ways of reading this there's the positive and the negative one and I don't know exactly how I feel because um, the negative read let's start with that and I'm sure you'll agree here is oh okay Valve is freeing themselves from needing to make this battle pass and effectively that means that they might just put less work into the game because they don't have anything that is quote unquote a time constraint that they need to deliver on. So now they can make less stuff. And if they're focusing on more about gameplay and patches, then that might be a very few select employees that do that because it doesn't require nearly as much work on new stuff. So it's kind of like a maintenance way of thinking where the gameplay will keep being maintained, but Valve aren't going to innovate as much. That's one way of thinking about it. The positive one is, okay, is just reading it at face value, right? Which is, okay, we're going to spend less time on making the battle pass, and therefore 
you as players will have a lot more new and fun content to interact with. But I think either read will make TI smaller, right? I think that's the thing here that's a given, is yeah. that TI will not reach the magnitude that it did in the past. And I personally don't have a problem with that. I've, we've talked about for years and years and years that TI was too big for the rest of the year. The problem was we talked about it from the scope of it's really good that Valve are raising all this money for the game, but please distribute it differently. What effectively might just end up happening is that TI will be smaller and nothing else will be bigger. And then it's not really better, right? Then it's just less money in the pro scene. So um, the, it says so. the patch, this, this thing that's not a battle pass, whatever they're calling it that will contribute to TI, comes out in September. Yeah. TI is in October. So that's going to be essentially at most two months worth of yeah. contributing whatever to the prize pool. And it's going to be stuff that's not nearly as attractive as, last, as previous battle passes. So I think it's not even... We were joking about this at one point. I don't... I actually think it is probably going to happen that Riyadh will be a bigger prize pool than TI. I genuinely we didn't think, think it was going to be this year, but I right. think it might with I, this news. I would be actually mm. surprised if TI is more than Riyadh now. 15 million, and right? here's And here's the thing for me, right? Because I know Valve is big on, on like letting people work on whatever they want and being creative and do stuff uh, as they see fit, right? The... The pay per hour for the battle pass has to have been really good. Like, I recognize it takes a lot of work to put something like that together, but they made a shitload of money with it, relatively speaking. And maybe their perspective is just that, yeah, it pays well, but something else can pay even better because they're a company and they're looking to make money. But maybe they're recognizing now that, okay, for CS2, they want more people to work on that, or Neon Prime is maybe approaching a point where they're starting to really dig dig in there with workforce to to get it done and push it out um i think but i regardless, I, I, just find, I just have a hard time seeing how this is how to say going to make them more money right if if they're going to put the same amount of work hours into it but they're not making a battle pass i don't think the community will be spending as much money right but maybe they have data suggesting that if they spread it out throughout the year with events that that could happen i don't know but it's surprising the battle pass was making a lot of money I think relatively speaking, though, based on how much Steam makes, it's still nothing. Of course, everything right. is a drop. That, that's the thing about Valve that's so tricky, right? Is that this is a company that started out making games and where game quality and, and their innovation was the biggest and most important thing. And then they make Steam and they're literally just printing money every second. So no matter how good of a game you make, if it's the best game of all time, it will make less money than Steam. Like, you're never going to beat Steam. So... Yeah, with so that, that begs perspective, the question, nothing what, is worth making, right? Yeah, that's so, kind of the issue that they've had over the past few yeah. years where they haven't really been making games. And I think Gabe Newell himself probably realized, hey, why aren't we making games? You guys should start making games again. So that's why they started a bunch of new games the last few years. Yeah. But that's why the, the motivation, like from our perspective, we can't fathom what the fuck is mm -hmm. going on because it's just a very unique one, right? A lot of these companies that are like devs that are making games... They need to find money from a publisher where from Valve's side, yeah. it's like like you said, they're literally printing money, essentially. They so, need to dig themselves out of their money yeah, so that they can make games. Yeah. <laughs> these these co they that's these coders get to work on whatever they want. And yeah. I mean that's the thing about this article. And I don't I've been away for a few days now, I guess, so I don't know the pulse of the community. I think this is the biggest news in the last five years for Dota, if not ever. I think this is going to be a monumental change now where 
I'll echo some of what you said, like the battle pass. I don't care about TI being smaller, but the fact that that money isn't being raised at all and being distributed in any way means that this is just significantly a worse outcome for Dota as a whole. Uh, and I think they try really hard to paint a positive, like this is a very PR, like I'm sure they rewrote this a bunch of times to make it sound as positive as possible <clears throat> when this is essentially saying, hey, we're kind of, what's the right way to put this? Putting Dota on a back burner. Dota is now, I think you can officially say on the decline, which, you know, in some respects, maybe it has been over the past few years, but this is them acknowledging. Like, I'm not saying it's TF2, which was completely abandoned. I think there's still definitely a few people, at least on the Dota team still, that are very passionate about Dota, but considering how many people are probably working on Neon Prime, especially like the likes of Ice Frog and whatnot. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a huge change. I mean, in some respects, maybe it's good for like third-party tournaments. If Riyadh continues to happen, then I guess not that much will change, and then we'll just get some more gameplay updates more regularly. But I think the whole idea of Battle Pass was consuming everything, and that means we mm -hmm. couldn't come out with other updates, is a bit weird because I know that Valve is weird and they're segmented in different ways, but it's a billion-dollar company where mm. a lot of like art assets that are part of the Battle Pass, they're outsourcing anyway. So you could easily be doing both. Like I don't think that if you really wanted to do it, you could easily do it. Just get more employees, get more outsourcing, whatever. But that's just not mm. the case. So... And we'll get to TI in a moment with one of our upcoming yeah. segments because that's another kind of big blow, I guess. But do you think that, I don't know. I know I'm negative, Cinderin. Am I? And I know I'm affecting, I've been growing like a fungus over you the last few years <laughs> to make you more negative yourself. But I look I at think, myself as a realist, you know, and I, this does right. not feel like good news at all. I think overall, for the average Dota player, this might be good news. Like, uh, obviously I can relate to this because a lot of my friends, right? A lot of my friends will play Dota seasonally. They'll play sometimes when, if there's a new patch and they think it's fun and they're looking for something to play, if there's no new league in Path of Exile or, you know, like whatever else they play, um, they'll play some Dota on and off and they don't really follow the pro scene. I don't think it matters to them how big TI is. I don't know if they generally bought the battle pass. Like maybe they bought level one for fun and played a little bit here and there, but I didn't like... It gives you a different perspective because it's easy for us to be in this like bubble because all the people we talk to in Dota are the 0.1%, right? All of them. You, me, every caster, every pro player, we interact with the game more than the average person does. So our like worldview of how the game works is very skewed to the top 0.1%, right? So when you think about it, to those people who interact with the game in that way, this might be a positive thing because maybe, I mean, again, it depends whether you take this at face value that they're actually going to patch more. But let's say they will deliver on that. They will make more patches and more content of that kind and make TI smaller. Then for my friends, that's probably a positive, right? They get to play more new stuff and have fun with other mini games or whatever they put in the game. For the longevity of the competitive scene, which is what we're interacting with a lot, this is probably overall bad news because it does sound like the pro part of Dota will be downscaled overall. They don't say anything about DPC here, but who knows 
what's going to happen with TPC next year? Is it going to be the same? Are they going to rework it? What's this whole thing this year with the road to TI, which we're getting to in a moment as well? So there's just a lot of uncertainty. The optimist in me wants to say that what they're going to do is they will put in a lot of effort with the people that were working on this to not only do other stuff in Dota, but actually try to make Neon Prime really good. Like that's mm. that's my copium right here is that this workforce goes into making other esports great and that the esports will still matter. I don't know if you and I are going to interact with CS2 in any way, if we're ever going to try to cast something like that <laughs> if Dota declines. CS2? Um, no, probably not. You have a lot of experience with that game compared to me, but it's also just from strictly from a business standpoint, it's extremely competitive to enter another game that other casters are already established in. Whereas if Neon Prime came out, it would be more of a level playing field because we would come in with our experience, other games would come in with theirs, and, you know... Maybe it could be this cool melting pot where everything comes together. Because that game is uncertain how it works, what the overall functionality of it is, what they're trying to do, etc., etc. But yeah, that's pretty much my take. So I think quite a lot of what you said I agree with. Maybe I'm slightly more optimistic, but I, I, I will say for me the bottom line here as well is that I do think this is just going to overall make TI and Dota takes less priority at Valve. I think that's fair to say. But who knows? And <clears throat> I don't know why it, I don't know if I should say it bothered me. Where, where was the actual line? Um, no, that's not it. Where's the line about where they were? Is it venue? Is that the word? Yeah. <clears throat> we're already working on the next updates and a host of new cosmetic items. And we've already started conversation with venues for TI 2024. So I think that was important for them to say to make sure that people know that there's going to be more TI, so that's good. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm being a negative Nancy, <laughs> but I feel like like them having a conversation, I guarantee you, and I've said this before, that they haven't done that in the past, where they talk about venues for the next year of TI this far in advance, even though you mm -hmm. should be. Uh, but I don't know why it bothered me. Uh, that just brought up old conspiracy theories i guess okay with that let's go to the next topic which is a segue of sorts uh yep. valve made a post about the different languages and whatnot so people needed to submit like for requesting uh what was it, rfp request for something permission is it no. yeah i think so so one cat or caveat one thing that was noted on that is that portuguese is no request longer for proposal sorry Go ahead. request for proposal uh portuguese is no longer a language that they're looking to which is really weird actually why they would cut that but that was a decision made i suppose mm -hmm. and they also made this post uh, when the bali major concludes the top 12 teams in the dpc will be directly invited to the international Remaining teams will be competing in six regional qualifiers for the final eight slots through the month of August. So the qualies will be happening from August 17th to the 31st. So essentially the latter half, <coughs> excuse me, of, of August. And yep. then as part of the request for proposal, uh, I don't know if this was leaked or what, or if this is even official. But I mean, if there on, is an RFP, then it's public, right? I suppose I don't know if this is part of an email or if it was on like the form itself. But either uh -huh. way, this was on Reddit. <clears throat> uh, dates for TI. So group stage is from October twelfth to fifteenth. Playoffs 
is 20th to 22nd. So that's a five-day gap between group stage and playoffs. And then finals is October 27th to 29th, which is a also a five-day gap. So yeah. there's more gaps than there were at the last one. We were talking about how we hated <laughs> that there was a gap and we thought that it might be because there was that fucking Justin Bieber concert and they didn't schedule in time, which may have still been the case. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, your thoughts on that and the fact that it's, I mean, they didn't really give details, but it sounds like mm-hmm. in terms of like having a crowd, it's still just the last three days. So let's, let's assume this is correct because we don't have access to other information, right? Let's assume this is the way it's going to be. The way it sounds with groups from 12th to 15th is that that sounds like that would probably be remote coverage because otherwise you're bringing in talent to be there for, what's this, two and a half weeks in order to have two five-day breaks. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe the groups will also become... I mean, in the past, everything about TI was covered locally, right? They flew in everyone. We did the groups at Valve's offices or whatever or in the hotel. And then we would go straight to the playoffs after a one-day break, and we would cover that, and we would go to the arena when it was arena days. Um, With this format, I don't know if that's the case, but obviously all the teams have to be on site for TI. So the teams will be there from throughout this entire stretch, from October 12th to 29th. It's also normal for a group stage to not have a crowd, right? Yes, it never did. The group stage, actually, that's not true. The group stage had a crowd at TI1. That was the only one where it had a crown. Um, so that's very normal. Um, yeah, so this sounds like, I'm guessing here, let's say the group stage is either covered remotely or with a few set talent on site. I don't know what they're going to do. Total question mark on that. Then there's two versions of the playoffs. There's the optimistic person here that says they'll do what they did last time where they'll have this also be in an arena setting, but a smaller one. And my Omega Copium hopes we will get to go back to uh, Benaroya Hall, which I think was one of the most iconic Dota venues ever. Um, that would be the perfect kind of venue for a three-day playoff event when you want to go bigger for the finals. So that would be awesome. The negative Nancy version thinks this is also just not in an arena. And the players, they might do some sort of local setup, uh, but... I'm assuming talent will be on site for this part, no matter what. So that would be my overall guess. And then the, the finals speak for themselves. That's obvious, right? So I don't know. Do you agree? Do you think it's the same thing? Or uh, Yeah, no, I, I think we're on the same page. Do you think As... the group stage will be covered in person? No, no, no. I don't think so. You think that will be online? I, I, think, they're gonna, I think they're just going to do the same thing as last year. Uh, I mean, the playoffs were in person, right? So you would say when you say the same thing as last year, you mean group stage was done remotely online, yeah, and then the two arena parts were done in person by the same people, and this time the first part of in person might just not be in an arena, yeah, no okay. crowd, yeah, which would be a step down again from an already step down from last year. So, I guess the thing that makes me question more whether this playoffs part could be in a venue is that. After this, in the document, you didn't mention this, but it has the playoffs dates and then it has the finals dates. But on top of or above the finals dates in the document, it says when there's a set and technical facts and when there's a rehearsal. 
if they did the playoffs in a venue as well, that would probably also have a designated dress rehearsal day. That is right? true. So there's two ways of reading into this. One, they might keep their options open and they haven't settled yet how exactly the playoffs are going to run. Two, they want to keep it a secret. Or three, they don't have a plan for doing um, arena coverage of any kind for the playoffs, which I personally think it's a huge shame if TI only has three days in an arena. Like, this last year will already a downgrade because we went to the smaller venue, but at least the teams played on stage in front of a crowd, which I personally think should have been bigger. Um, and I think... I don't mind, we've talked about this before, I don't mind that not all of the playoffs is in the biggest of stadiums, because the fact of the matter is, a lot of the time, until the very final days, people don't fill out the crowd anyway. So, if you make something smaller like Benaroya, there's a bigger chance that people that would buy specifically tickets for that would make it a weekend event that they take holiday for or whatever, and they would actually show up mm. a lot of the time. And if something like Benaroya is half-filled or two-thirds filled, the acoustics are amazing, and it's really nice for crowd, for crowd experience and for the way it looks on camera. Um, but I don't know. That's um, we'll I'm see. looking at Benaroya. Do I'm looking at the Benaroya Hall uh, upcoming events real quick. Yeah. It doesn't show anything past July, actually. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, and we I'm get to sure. keep coping for another month. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think it would be, I'll just say it again. If Benaroya is the playoffs, then I will forgive the three breaks because Benaroya is fucking awesome. But I'm afraid that that is not the case. So, uh, yeah. I also, so the other thing about this, now we just talked about the fans and whatnot. It's like, I think part of the appeal with the previous setup and format was that if you bought tickets for TI, you got to see a lot of the teams, right? If the only thing on stage for every fan going there is the teams playing the finals weekend, then there's going to be like six teams left. Part of the yeah. magic of TI was that when the group or when the playoffs started or the arena day started, you had like these 16 <laughs> teams walk on stage, get introduced. Every team had their designated or dedicated fans that would know that if they show up, those teams would get to play, right? At least once. Now, yeah, you would have. Every Other team than, had a, a game on well, stage if they played in groups. The only teams that weren't guaranteed were the ones in wildcard. No, th there's that, a... I remember this, right? Because that was that year. It was TI6. I know it changed later because we had... In later years, we had like maybe two years get uh, two teams get knocked up per group, right? Because it yeah. was 20 teams and it got cut down to 16. So, yes, a couple of teams, the very weakest would get knocked out at the, and then the 16 would go onto the main stage. But it's still 16 teams, right? Mm. There would probably be somebody that you're a fan of and are excited to watch live or maybe meet in a fan interaction of some kind, like a signing or anything like that, uh, whatever events there would be. Now, if you go, it's, if it's just the top six, it's a wild card whether your team is even playing. Uh, you could be a fan of multiple teams and they might all not make it. And it's obviously still an, an amazing event and it's really cool to attend. But, you know, for fans, it's a bit of a shame if they don't get to meet their idols, you know, right? Um, or at least see them play on stage. So that's why I hope that the playoffs will also be some sort of arena thing, because then suddenly you have way more teams. Uh, I'm assuming the playoffs will still have 16 teams. I don't think they've changed the format. Yeah, so, I guess that's true. We don't so know the exact think, format. But in those three days, you just knock out a lot of teams. Yeah. So. 
<clears throat> yeah, overall, I, I'm just not a fan of these big break. I don't know if this, again, is a venue issue or what. Yeah, I don't know why we have five days between. That's very weird that they did it again. I don't feel like it was particularly well received last year by anyone. No, I don't not. think the talent liked it. I don't think the players liked it. I don't think the I, fans liked it. That's the other but, thing. And this is not going to affect anyone except for talent. So maybe it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. last year, obviously, with, I mean, we've talked about this, but half the team was in Norway and half the team yeah. was in Singapore. And I don't think any of the talent wanted that. Nobody was happy with the arrangement. I really hope everyone is local now. I mean, it would be, on some level, though, it would be hilarious that we're finally back in Seattle, and then most of the talent are fucking Norway. <laughs> like, because like, the whole idea is, like, you're so far away from, like, in Singapore, you're so far away from Valve headquarters that they, you know, the logistics mm-hmm. are an issue, so you got to find somewhere else. I don't know. But now you're back yeah. and it's like, okay, we'll still stick with Norway. I don't know. Hopefully that's not the case. But, uh Okay, so I guess we go on to our last topic, which is the Bali Major. And yeah. it has technically started, but I think we can make predictions. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be casting the next three days remotely with Jenkins uh, because you're not available. That's the only reason I would ever cast we with were, Jenkins because it's last resort. We were, we were going to do a couple of games that would work for me because the thing is i'm going on holiday on saturday so the days we could have cast would literally be today and tomorrow and it just wasn't really feasible with our time schedules and it was just easier than to do it the other way around so you get to to have more humane hours for you i guess is the way to put it yeah i think um, it's mainly because i knew i'd be mega jet travel i yeah <laughs> you said you're gonna be jet lagged and then after what happened you probably are even harder so that's yeah that's quite the trip you had there my friend so i guess we can just do predictions for this yeah um so this is going to be two groups of eight the bottom three of each group is eliminated is this the exact same format as the last major i think so i don't think they changed it okay and then the groups will basically uh yeah the Fifth and sixth will go to lower bracket, and then top four stay upper bracket. Yeah. So we have Aster, Liquid, Beast Coast, IG, Shopify, Spirit, Tundra, Blacklist, and Execration in Group A. And then Group B is Azure, Gaiman, Quest, Nouns, LGD, Nine Pandas, Bet Boom, Bleed, and Evil Geniuses. So do you want to yep. pick? How do you want to do this? Let's. Let's pick top fours only. Of the groups or overall? Yeah, of the groups. Top four of the groups and then top three of the tournament. Okay. You're going to so keep track of this, even though we never look back and see what we got correct? write it down? <laughs> I can write it down. Sure. This one's hard okay. because Liquid's in this group A, and they were really bad at the, the, Ria, or the Dream League. If I were to guess, that's going to light a fire under them. And I also think they're, at this point, they might actually be, ah, I don't know if it's fair to say they're better on LAN, but they've definitely overcome their old LAN curse, which used to to be a big problem for the previous roster. Uh, I'm going to pick Liquid to get through in top four in this group. Okay. And then I'm going to choose, I think, IG. Hmm. 
And then it gets hard, honestly. I'll take Tundra. And... Spirit. Oh, I guess. Okay. Those are my four. All right, well, I'm going to go with the usual, even though they disappoint me every tournament. Shopify's in there. Yeah. Uh, I will also go Liquid. Okay. I will go... I'll actually go Aster. I think they were looking... Okay. So Aster was the weird one where in Dream League, they looked pretty good in the first group, and they looked atrocious in the second group. But I think in the last few games, they started to figure it out. So they looked That's a little bit better. That's true. They started doing a bit better. <clears throat> so I'm yeah, just going off this momentum. Mm. Don't copy yeah. me. You're already set in stone. No, it's, it's... Yeah, I'll keep what I said. But you're right. So I said they Shopify, Aster, Liquid, and my fourth team... Ooh... It's between Tundra, Spirit, and Beast Coast. Uh, I'll go Tundra. Okay. So we have two of the same. We both have Liquid and Tundra. Okay, Group B. All right, I'll go uh, Game and Gladiators. <coughs> Bet okay. Boom. Very brave. <laughs> yeah. EG. Okay. And I need to see who's on Bleed Esports real quick. Oh, that's Ice Ice Ice's team. Uh, that would be... Quest is good, right? Yeah, that's Amar's team. You don't think PSG are getting top four? Oh, shit. I didn't even see them. This yeah, group yeah. is I'll go LGD. Packed, I'll go LGD. Yeah, this group is actually better than Group A. Okay. I, I Poor think, nouns. I think this group is really hard to predict. Um, I'm going to say Gaming Gladiators... PSG LGD. I want Azure Raid to do well. I do. I really, I think it's very good for the scene if they do well. So my heart says Azure Raid. I don't know. When if has my your brain heart does, ever been right about Chinese team? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I just said LGD as well. But, but they, they did. I mean, they got they have a track third record. place in Dream League. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say Azure Shannon. I'll do a brave one here. I'll, okay. I'll be bold. Right. I, I believe. I, I can um, respect that. These players are beasts on LAN. Let's not forget that. The experience is a factor here. True. Um, so I have get Gladiators, LGD, Azure, and shit. I think Betboom might not actually make top four here. Mm. But I think there's a very good chance they make top six. And I say that they come off a of second place, but... Now it's LAN, where they have a tendency of not being as good in, from what fair. I've seen as online. That is fair. And they do come off a kind of soul-crushing loss, and I think they might overcompensate for what happened in that finals. So, could we'll see. It's Oh, man, this is hard. All right, I have to choose. I will pick... West? Quest. West or Nine Pandas? Hmm. I'll go with Quest. Okay. We got a couple semi wild card choices there. Okay, yeah. so okay. top top three. three for the tournament in no order. Okay, I'm gonna say Game and Gladiators. I actually do not think they will win. I okay. think they will get third. Yeah, that's what we say every time. And yeah. Um. Ooh. Oh, that's hard. That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, God. 
This is actually really hard. I'll say EG. Okay. And I think one team from Group A will get top three. So... Tundra. Okay. I will take Gaiman as well. Because statistically just a wise choice <laughs> here. Oh, damn. What do we believe in? My heart says Azure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not getting top three, are they? Uh, let's do PSGLGD and... Honestly, it might be three teams from Group B. It's not out of the question. Uh, I think Tundra is a good shout, actually. But... Mm, Man, it sucks if we have two of the same three in top three, doesn't it? Uh, you can. It's fine. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll say Tundra as well. All right. But it's the one I'm least confident about, actually. Hmm. I do think... I think Tundra has a realistic possibility of getting top three, but also getting bottom eight at I the think, same time. I, think I don't think that happens to Gaiman, you know? That's what I was... I actually think if I had to choose one team of my top three that I don't think... We'll make it there. Maybe is gaming actually. Okay. I think they are. They have such a big target on their back, and they've played so many games that people can look over. Yeah. I know that we've said this before, but I feel like we say at that a every certain time. point it does matter, and it will add up to other teams catching up and being able to counter them in some way. Well, and with each patch that comes out, although obviously there's not going to be a patch, I would assume during the major itself, mm -hmm. but. Normally, that targets the teams that have been winning, which Gaiman is yeah. the team. So I think statistics, like, there's no way, I shouldn't say there's no way. It's going to be very Gaiman hard for them to do it again. Every tournament this year except TI. How about that? Because then they will get nerfed so hard. For yeah. TI. Yeah. And the thing about this team is they play a lot of stuff. So they are very, flexible. Yeah. Very, very, um, what's the word for that? Adaptable players, I would say. So, okay, that's the predictions. I have them noted down. Okay, next. I don't think we took any down for Dream. Did we? Oh, we did. We did take some down for Dream League. I think. Let oh, me see when this let's is see. <laughs> that's good to know. Uh, this document is from April, so yeah, this would have been for this Dream League. Okay. Right. So my top three was Liquid. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gaming Gladiators and PSGLGD, so I got oh, two you, out of three. You did. And oh. yours was Liquid, Gaming Gladiators, and Shopify. Fuck. So you got one out of three. Fuck you, Shopify, Spotify, Rebellion. And your top four... Wait, what's top the... Four? I don't understand this now, actually. Was that for groups? Oh, wait, this was... Hang on, I have to check this. this maybe I should have noted this down in a better form. <laughs> Was that for Lima? Is that your mistake? No, this I have a Lima one as well. Uh, hang on. One thing you're in charge of. One yeah, literal I am thing. Actually, I am actually useless. So, 
Um, I genuinely was the form. This was always the format, right? Why did we have a top three and then a top four? So the oh. top four would have been the whole tournament. Okay, well, what's the difference between our top threes and top fours? We have different teams in this. Well, you have Liquid, GG, and Shopify as well, and then you have EG. But my top four has Liquid, Gaming Glider, Spirit, and EG. So mine didn't have. <laughs> you got rid of LGD. E LGD, yeah. I actually don't know all right. what happened here. Well, make sure you Good notate uh, what. <laughs> yeah, you got. Um, we all got extra guesses apparently, and we we're still wrong. I actually don't know what I was doing here. Unfortunate, but the Bali one is very well noted. So Good. that one we can. Is that because you wrote Bali on it? Yeah. Yes. No. The document was called the right thing. It was called Dream League, but. Mm. I just don't know. The reason I'm confused is that we have a three names and then we have our top fours. So I don't know what the three names were for. Mm. If those were the teams we thought were going to win their groups, but it's top four that gets through. Okay, so well, how about the this? Was changed Let's end like with the white donkey and the dark horse. Oh, yeah. Good. Yes, we should do that. For Bali. Yeah. So... Let's do the dark horse, so a team that is not expected to do well, potentially, that will do well. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Bleed. They, okay. The roster looks, I like the roster quite a bit. Are they, what do you, th what do you think the consensus is of what you're expecting them, what people are expecting them? To I place? don't know what they're expecting. I'll, I think if they get top six, that would be a surprise. Would you agree with that? Yeah, probably. Okay, that's my dark okay. horse top six. Okay. My dark horse is Quest. Okay. I also picked them to get uh, top four in the group, right? So mm. I guess they're less of a dark horse for me in that regard, but I do think it's like a gamble either way in general. Yeah, that's fine. So. All right, and then White Donkey, which is a team that's supposed to do well that does not. Uh, yeah. Liquid would be a really good candidate, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we <clears throat> did. Did I pick them for you, top three? You picked no, you did not. You picked Game and EG and Tundra for top three. Okay. Um, so the the teams that are in contention for this would be Liquid, Shopify, LGD. I don't think they're going to have that issue, but this is a team. Mm hmm. hmm. And Bedboom, even though... Did I pick Bedboom? Were my top three again? <laughs> no Bedboom in there for either Ooh. of us. But you did pick them to get top four in their group. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Bedboom. Um, White Donkey. All right, I will... Man, this is... I'm going to go Liquid. <laughs> it's rare that it's this hard for you. I'm going to go fun. Liquid. I'm usually the one who needs to think for a bit. Yeah. Okay. Not so you think Liquid is going to not do well? Uh, yeah, you also didn't have them... You did have them topping Group A or being top four there, but then you think after that it's not going to go well. Is that it's considered a white donkey, it, it though? I mean, it also depends on the expectations, right? If the expectations is that they get top three and they get eighth, you can get eighth while being top four in the group, right? Yeah. That's happened plenty of times. Yeah, um, I would say for Liquid, anything outside of a top four finish, given their year so far, is a disappointment. So 
considering that, it's not unlikely that they don't do that well. It is odd that I picked them top. Whatever, I'll stick with it. Okay. My uh, my donkey is EG, actually, this time, I think. Oh, okay. Um, you picked them for top three in the tournament. Yeah. I think they were on a bit of a downward trajectory toward the end of Dream League, they and were. I don't know if they've made the adjustments. Um, That's true. We were really impressed with them for a while, but then it seemed like they ran out of steam and ideas a bit, and I don't know if they've had time to figure it out. So I'm going to say, again, considering this is a team that a lot of people would expect to get top six, I don't think that's happening this time. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah. I would be happy to be wrong about my white donkey. I like when EG does well. But um, Man, these were, this is the hardest predictions I think I've had to make. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Very stacked field for sure. Okay, <clears throat> well, that brings us to the end of the... There's actually more topics that are not Dota-related, but we'll wait for another week since this is going well over time. There's no overtime with this podcast, Shannon. It's just a long episode. I'm also tired and jet-lagged, so I'm going to be going to bed now. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we'll have I a wasn't normal... trying to convince you to keep going. I'm no, saying of course We not. don't have like a set goal of, oh, it should be an hour. Yes. Should be as long as it damn well deserves. True. So yeah, that brings us to the end. Thanks for watching, everybody. And we'll be back next week at normal time. Peace! We say things that don't mean anything. Subscribe. Subscribe.